Welcome back to Because We Love You. This week we are talking about something I find really interesting that sounds a little nerdy, but it's called intellectual humility. And the reason why we chose this was actually we alluded to it last week a little bit. Yes. And uh, we got some feedback, like, what is that? And how does that apply? And I think it was very interesting to people. So we were like, let's dive more into what this very smart sounding topic of intellectual (laughs) humility. What is it? Do we have it? Can we get more of it? And so we're going to, we're going to talk about that today. Yes. Stacey, when, when you think about it in, you know, the world puts things in extreme categories. So Mm -hmm. I was trying to think, and most of the time we believe right there in the middle, but what's something that is like so extreme that most people would say, that's not really the best way to live, but. You know, when I think of extremes, I think, do you remember, did you ever watch that show on Nat Geo called Doomsday Preppers? I never watched it. Because I'm not one of those, but um, but I had <laughs> well, heard not stories. Either. You watched but it. Though, some too? of the stories, sometimes, right? Some of the stories are wild. Yeah. Um, so when I when you say extreme, I think of something like that, right? This idea of like people over preparing, saving all of the things, like dedicating large portions of their house or their whole house to, uh, you know, a future that. It's kind of crazy because like half the world was that during Y2K. Like Y2K, even though, that's a yeah, great example. Like yeah. even though the most people would agree that extremes are not not yeah. good, yeah. but I mean my family even became not me. I was still little then. Yeah. Um but like my mom and dad were like, "Well, you know, it might be true." So we legit had like 6 months of water <laughs> in our garage months. and wow. canned foods. Canned foods. But then you have people who are in complete denial that there's anything you need to be prepared for. Yes. Right? Like the extreme of nothing bad could ever happen. And I I have to admit, though, I I lean more. I'm pulled more to, you know, let's just go with the flow. Day by day. Don't worry about it. What will come will come. Um, But those are two extremes that most would say, like, there's somewhere in the middle. Maybe we shouldn't store up 10 years worth of canned foods because they're might be some people that are hungry now right yeah, for so sure give that too yeah and then the other thing is like maybe you shouldn't have enough to eat for like one day yeah. in your pantry because like yeah. could you be prepared for two weeks a month <laughs> that, that would seems be nice. reasonable yeah and I think you know we live in the middle of that but kind of flip-flop back and forth yeah. I know you and I struggle with this and we're constantly having conversations with our husbands about this like we're gonna save money this year and then it's like but also we would love to take this really fabulous vacation right so yeah. it's like because we could die tomorrow let's yeah. go to Turks and Caicos but then it's also like well our kids are gonna be going to college someday so <laughs> we really should probably be saving and paying off our house <laughs> I love I love that because you know you're six on the Enneagram so I know that that your yeah. primary emotion is a little bit of anxiousness and, and maybe fear. Yeah. So I like I play on that when I yeah. want you to do something. <laughs> but this may be our last year together, oh Stacey. We wow, that's to- a little manipulative, I must say. Well, you do. We we all do this. <laughs> we all, but it's only in your best interest. I only have your best interest at heart. Okay. It's a fun trip. Like if yeah. we don't take it this year, then yeah. then would would we ever like? Oh, I love this. I'm feeling this. There's a quote (laughs) and it says, and I don't know it word for word, but it's something like the, um, the, to see, you can only seize the opportunity in the lifetime of the opportunity. 
So sometimes, oh, okay, you can it's a miss confusing. an opportunity if the lifetime yeah. of the opportunity goes away. Yeah, and so okay. I'm all about seizing okay. that opportunity with you. I'm not manipulating you. I'm li- I'm li- I'm helping you okay. live your best life. That helps you Just, sleep yeah, at night. Yeah, that's great. But that also, <laughs> yeah, that that goes. But there's extremes. Yeah, and sometimes it is really hard to kind of see where the other person is coming from. Yeah, because we all have this bias to think we're right. Like, of course, you hold beliefs, whatever mm. it is that you think, that you feel, that you value. Like, you think that's the right thing. Right. We don't go around holding all these beliefs that we know are wrong. Um, So, yeah, we think we're right. And whether that's extreme or not. So how do you explain intellectual humility? Okay, so here's like from the perspective of psychologists, I think about it as intellectual humility is the ability to understand or at least reflect on our cognitive limitations. So knowing that we don't know everything, Mm -hmm. knowing that we're fallible, that we make mistakes, that we have biases, that there's so much information in the world Mm -hmm. that we don't have, that we don't know, that there are experiences Mm -hmm. that we don't understand. So I think it's just starting with that recognition of understanding, um, you know, that we have cognitive limits And then just acknowledging that we could be wrong. Mm -hmm. So, yes, most of us think we're right. And that's we should, I guess. Right. (laughs) Like you should think what you believe is right. But we should also kind of hold on to that idea that we could be wrong about some things. There could could be information out there. Perspective out there. And it just is not my perspective or yeah. how it shaped me. I, I love I love that and I like that. And I think, though, coming from me, even though mm-hmm. something like flags and it's like, but is that becoming more me or mm-hmm. is that not being confident? You know, because I want my I want I want to be confident. I want to yeah. be viewed as confident. I want to be viewed as knowledgeable. Will I lose my leadership status if mm-hmm. I'm constantly wanting to hear other people's opinions and ideas and maybe even change. So I know that people out there feel that way, but I think it's really, really important that honestly, that this, this principle actually makes you a better leader. Um, and so, and it may, it can make you more confident and I want everybody to know that it doesn't, you don't lose, you can still be confident in the things that you do know and be willing to learn the things that you don't Don't know. know. Yes. Yeah. So it's a mix between those things. I don't think it's, you know, being meek or, um, underconfident. Like that's not the thing that we're talking about here. It's just being confident in what you know, especially in areas where you've done a lot of research and maybe you're even Mm -hmm. an expert, but always acknowledging that there are, there's more you do not know. And I I think that that even shows more confidence, Yeah, like confidence in yourself as a person in your brain. I'm confident enough to say, I don't, know everything yeah um, so okay. I think that's that's really cool I mean this whole talk came out of some information by the Amazon creator CEO Jeff Bezo, mm-hmm. Bezo and his whole idea when he said those those make better employees yes. people who are willing to adapt mm-hmm. and so that's why we're even talking about this and when we were looking up some literature by Mark Leary um, he kind of created some scale like a yeah. scale to know so if you're sitting out there you're listening you're running you're doing all the things in your listening to our podcast right now you may be thinking do I have any 
intellectual humility. Yeah, and a lot of this work has come out of Mark Leary's lab. He is a social psychologist. He was at Wake Forest, so shout out to yes. Go a Wake Forest grad here. Um, and Thanks now for is shaping it- my mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and now he's at Duke, but he, uh, along with Rick Hoyle and some graduate students, came up with the general intellectual um, humility scale, and I loved the items on there. And so these are some things that you could talk about. We just pulled a couple examples, um, but you can find the full scale in our show notes. But what was your favorite one? I think my favorite one was um, that. So they ask you these questions, and you're supposed to rate them like zero to five, like yeah, how much that how much applies you agree. to you. Mm-hmm. And mine was, I like finding out new information that is different from what I think is true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still can't say I'm a five because <laughs> obviously that sometimes is hard. Yeah. Um, but it is always intriguing to invest. Like when you, when you, you have this opinion, you're like, yes, this is right. This is the way it should be. And then you read something. I've seen this a lot with parenting, um, you know, recently. And I think in some podcasts, I can't remember an example, but it would be like, oh, I thought I was doing the best thing. And look at this. Like, no, they do need to be um, involved more in decision-making because that creates better minds. And it's like, oh, wow, that was completely different from maybe how, I was raised or whatnot and it just changes it and that kind of excites me a little bit so I would like to say that in that one I have a little bit I score higher yeah but I think that's hard for a lot of people right when you hear something that goes against what you believe sometimes people can just shut down Mm -hmm. or it can make them angry or you know last week we talked about confirmation bias so people could just um reject it right out like that can't be true right you find a new piece of data or a research study shows something and you just Mm -hmm. reject it because you don't want to um, even think that, you know, this piece of information that goes against what you believe is, um, yeah. it's true. So, you know, I know that you, you tend to enjoy that kind of thing, I even do. if it leads to a little bit of conflict or like, oh, really? Or, you know, but I think a lot of people probably struggle with that. So Stacy, which question meant the most to you or that you find intriguing? So one that I liked, um, that I'll just read here. It says, I recognize the value in opinions that are different from my mm-hmm. own. Um, so I really like that one and not that I, not because I necessarily think I'm great at that. Right. But something that I would love to be good at, right. Is just to, um, even when I'm thinking about people's beliefs that are very different from mine, um, to not only recognize the value in those, but communicate that, you know, that to those people that I value their opinions as well. And one thing that I found really interesting about this actually, when I was, why I picked that item is because Um, I also came across this study by Duffler, Leary, and Hoyle where they had participants read um, controversial statements, so sentences just about controversial issues, and they compared people who scored high on intellectual humility, so people who would say they really value these different opinions and things like that, to people who would score low on this scale. And um, one interesting finding was that people who score high on intellectual humility spent more time than the people who scored low reading the statements that disagreed with their own beliefs. So spent more time processing that, things that were going against mm-hmm. their beliefs. Um, whereas when you looked at the items that people agreed with, people who were low and high on intellectual humility looked at them for about the same amount of time. So I I thought that was really neat. Um And kind of indicates, you know, the habits of people who are intellectually Mm -hmm. humble, that they spend more time researching, studying, thinking about things that go against what they believe. And that seems like a really valuable exercise. 
Yeah, I like that. I like I like that a lot. And it also means that when you have this information that you can can become more intellectually humble yeah. if you if you do these things in every day and be, when you don't read something and become emotionally um, yeah. aggravated by it or or take it personally mm-hmm. that you're like huh wonder why they did that or wonder how and so yeah. that's a very interesting and, and you can kind of judge that internally like right, when you read right. something you're like I cannot believe they would post that how dare they right and then and then you're like huh but wonder why so yeah it's very, very cool um part of that study too is when they were polling people pulled this amount of people it's interesting that most everybody feels like they think they're right yeah and it was yeah. it was a staggering it was 82 percent of polled individuals think that they're right in their opinions or their belief when they have a disagreement mm-hmm. or some type of interaction yeah. with a person more than half the time yeah only four yeah. percent that's crazy Four percent of the population that they polled um, thought that they were um, wrong, right less than half the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Of course, if you're having a, a disagreement with someone, you're going to kind of stick to your guns. You're going to argue the point that you think is right. But it's still surprising that people won't even recognize that they could be wrong. I mean, 82 percent. That's high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that reminds, reminds me of, and because it's, I mean, it is hard to get into those, those conversations, but it reminds me of a conversation that we have a lot, yeah. um, where maybe I think I'm right and maybe you're right. Who knows? <laughs> Let's let the, because we love you fans right. decide. Um, but it's kind of like a recurring conversation yeah. that we have and we're often sharing our different viewpoints on it, but it's da, 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 a real serious issue. Da, 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 da. Who should pay for your kid's college? Mm. Yeah, this has come up a lot recently, right? Because we have friends who are getting ready to send their their kids off to college, and we kind of don't yeah. agree. Stacy, what's your viewpoint? Well, I mean, I work at a college, so mm-hmm. certainly I recognize it will be easier for me um, to do this. But, I mean, I would love my kids to graduate with no debt. Yeah, If I could pay for it, I want to. Okay. So why, what, what do you think the benefit is? Well, I just think, um, watching people who, um, and and that, that wasn't me growing up to be clear, right? I'm still paying Mm off. I went to school for a very long time. So still paying on a lot of student loan debt. Dr. LaPelle. That's probably why, right? (laughs) I mean, is it though? (laughs) But yes, yes, I do believe it's worth it. But um, you know, still put pl- paying on a lot of debt. And so maybe that's partially why, like, I'm still in it. Right? And she turns 40 next year. Oh, gosh. Thank Woo-hoo! you for that. Paying on debt till Reminder. 40. <laughs> so <laughs> exciting. Um, but then I see friends who did not have to pay for college mm-hmm. or, you know, their parents had the means or, you know, scholarships, whatever, covered everything. And it's just so different when they went to, like, buy a house or the things that they were capable of doing mm-hmm. before we did. I mean, we spent so many years living off such little money um, as I was in school and we were paying on loans and things like that that, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I would love it if my kids didn't have to experience that. Not that I'm miserable, but, you know, it'd be great. That. So my, not that you asked, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'm assuming she you wanted to share. To I wanted to hear. With that. I wanted no. to hear. Um, That's it. Debate over. 
this is how not to be intellectually (laughs) humble. Um, So I I did have to also pay Mm -hmm. for my school, and I'm still paying for my school right now, too. Um, But I feel that it gives me the utmost, like, responsibility Mm -hmm. that I went into school knowing that I'm going to pay this astronomical amount and I'm going to work really hard, but I'm choosing this career. So it gave me, I want my kids to go into something knowing like, this is, this is what's expected. This Mm -hmm. is how much it is. It's a huge investment. Do you really want it? You know? So I don't want to leave them thinking like, Oh yeah, mom and dad are going to pay for it and I can do whatever I want. And I could (laughs) maybe get a credit card in the meantime and spend money on it too. You know, not that they would, I'm not saying that, but like, I, I, I like that. Um, I also, maybe in, in not that my, my parents did, couldn't necessarily afford it, but I'm sure they might could have yeah. paid more than nothing. Um, the, and they helped me. They helped me. Love you, mom and dad, if you're listening. Yes, me um, too. But and and I appreciated that. But also, they have things that they want to do mm-hmm. in the like. And college yeah. is a huge expense. So yeah. going and yeah. I totally props to four year colleges, liberal arts degree. It totally shaped my brain and my mind. So I'm totally for that. Um. But I just, I just feel like that personal and there's plenty. Oh, and it's good. It's good debt too. I mean, you Mm -hmm. can take it off of your taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like, and if you don't change the debtor's hands, it goes away when you die. So you don't have to leave it with your kids. So you're not in indebting them yes. so good debt intense, okay. gives them, and, and so yeah. I just really think that perhaps not that I don't want to help my kids out a lot um I think that yeah. they should be responsible for their final years of college you know college yeah. so that's fine huh. I mean I see that and like certainly I think there are other ways to get our kids to value their education and to value the dollar mm-hmm. right um, the one, I mean, I really do get your point about helping them see the value in that, right? Like if they are not investing anything in it financially, right? Mm-hmm. Of course they're investing other things. If they're not investing anything in it financially, it's going to maybe more difficult to see, yeah. to see the value of that. Yeah. And you know, when you, when you share your points, I definitely identify the one point that really kind of makes me think a little more is um the idea that they may have to like postpone a house or Mm -hmm. postpone like buying different things that that starts their family because they have this college loans because that is a true thing like if you have college loans that that counts as your debt to income ratio and it really can afford that and I think about hmm what if I help them that could they you know be able to start their life so it does make me think and even through that um and I have I have you know eight years till I have to make this decision decision yeah. um I still you know feel pretty strongly about my like my opinion in this but yeah. I definitely think I might help more um I still think they should have some dollar in the game yeah. um that they should have something that they have like because I want them to take it seriously their their career choice but definitely talking with you and some mm-hmm. other people that believe yeah. in more 100% pay for college um <laughs> I feel like it has opened my mind to the possibility that there's more negative yeah. than than that so yeah yeah definitely and it's just helpful to hear other people's experiences because of course I have a certain experience about going to college coming from a first generation and Um, family and you know being a first-gen student is very different than what our kids are going to experience and you know the places that 
Um, maybe they go to school, what they do with that, what their future careers are. I mean, you know, every yeah. situation is different. So certainly it's valuable to hear about varied experiences. Ultimately, I just feel like we need to make college less more, less expensive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because this is crazy. Oh, it's gonna man, cost, those bills like are so high. Investment. Yeah. But yeah. I think that this illustrates how a lot of our conversations go. Sometimes, and yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I like Stacey so much is that we don't necessarily agree, but we like yeah. we're able to talk through things and mm-hmm. and kind of try to see it from from a different perspective. And I think it causes us to grow and learn, and that's Absolutely. the value of intellectual humility. Yeah, and when we were reading there, you know, there's of course a million. Um, reasons why intellectual humility is good, but it kind of boiled down to three key things. And I think that's the first one, right? Is learning that you just, um, that you learn more, you make better decisions. So when college comes around, because we've talked about this for so many years, because we've asked different people's opinions, because we looked up different things about loans and taxes and all of that, we're going to make a better decision when it comes to who's taking out what loans and how much money are we just paying out of pocket and how, you know, us looking for resources to cover more of those you know tuition and room and board bills um so yeah I mean ultimately it's just making us better yeah yeah and that's that's um just acknowledge acknowledging that I don't know everything there is about college you don't either and how do we how do we um learn the most so yeah I love that I also love that um it helps better relationships Uh, for sure I think it's like ignorant to think that, I mean, that's what, that's what's important. You know, Mm -hmm. when you think about life and you think about believing one thing or another, that's not, but it's the friends, it's the encouragement, it's the love that we care, it's kindness. And that's something that we can all do, even if we disagree with how they parent or how, you know, what foods they eat or how they don't exercise, like whatever your opinions are, it still comes down to better relationships are formed when we, uh, we, we see that, oh, you could see this from a different perspective. Yeah. I'm not always right. I, there's value in, in your opinion and your experiences that absolutely makes those relationships better. And even beyond like just the confines of actual relationships with family and friends, I think just the, the interactions that we have mm-hmm. with other people out in the world become better. This can be coworkers. This could be yep. strangers. This can be the person sitting next to you on the bus that those interactions become more pleasant, more encouraging, um, kinder, more respectful mm-hmm. when we're both just open to hearing what the other person thinks and recognizing that I don't know everything and I'm not right necessarily about everything. I love that because I had an interaction with someone recently and they had a different idea mm-hmm. about how something should go. Yeah. And um, a little bit initially it was like, oh, I've already thought through that. I've thought through all the issues. No, that's not going to work and that's that's kind of like my initial gut and I wanted right. to kind of like text it out because it was over text and then I realized like we weren't even preparing this yet but I was like that was kind of like I know it all like yeah. I know how this is supposed to go and I have to I, I tend to do it more with my husband and, and yeah. maybe even you sometimes but I w- I'm trying to be better in everyday life so I thought about it and I'm like yeah well let's see if this will work yeah. so we engaged it and we had a discussion about it will this idea work what are the pros? What are the cons? Yeah. What are the things that are con- going to come up? And then we came up with what the best idea was. And, and it even happened to be my initial thought. But 
the idea that I was open to it, mm-hmm. that we had a discussion about it, yeah. that didn't break our relationship. Yep. And it held a mutual respect. And yeah. so that's what I learned from that is that in everything, it's not that necessarily your idea still might be the best idea. Your mm-hmm. opinion might still be the best opinion. And this is with coworkers. And, yeah. But the idea that you even allow and allow that time for investigation says, mm-hmm. oh, she cares. And she just wants yeah. to do the best thing. And because she cares and she wants to do the best thing and she's open to my opinion. Yeah. And now we see, that, okay, it still was that the relationship was kept mm-hmm. and it was like a beautiful reminder of like, and I think that's huge with leadership. I yeah. mean, it's that like when yeah. you feel like a leader does that, then, then, so if we want to become better leaders. We've got to be better at relationships and yeah, better at sure. hearing what people are saying. Yeah, that's good. And it reminds me of the Ted talk that we listened to this week by Farah Nasser mm-hmm. and she's a journalist and she talked about a similar experience like you're bringing up where she invited a colleague to lunch because it seemed like they were always disagreeing, had different perspectives and got to hear his um, you know, perspective about the stories they were writing and how he was feeling and how yeah. valuable that was. But what I really liked from her talk, one thing that um I pulled was this idea that people tend to recognize that, um, you know, we spend a lot of time with family and friends. That's one thing Mm -hmm. she said. Like, I think COVID did that. The pandemic did that. We've been together more with our people. But that also means that we're with other people less. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are working from home, so they're not with their coworkers as much. Um, A lot of people, um, you know, stay home more and don't interact with strangers and kind of it, you know, it just Mm -hmm. changed the way that we interact with other people, I think. And the idea that um, when we do that, we kind of create these circles where we're spending time with people who think like we do, believe like we do, share our opinions, because our close circle tends Mm -hmm. to be a lot like us, right? And we all tend to, at that same time, though, believe that other people are living in echo chambers like that. Like, Mm -hmm. I can recognize in others that they're spending most of their time with people that think like them and believe like them, um, but we can't recognize it in ourselves. So it's another one of those biases Mm -hmm. we have that, like, we can say, oh, it's because you're just hanging out with these people and listening to this media station and, you know, following these people on social media, but we don't recognize it in our own power. Patterns. We think that we are better at that than other people. And the truth is that probably most of us are not. Yeah. And that can be very toxic to our growth. For um, sure. And that, that's going to be very limiting. And it should be very convicting, you know, to yeah. and to take a, a look and say, huh. And, you know, mm-hmm. how many conversations have I had this week that somebody actually believed a little bit different than yep. me, had an opinion that was a little bit different than mine, and how yeah. did that conversation go? Um, and so if we know that we naturally do this, it's going to take an uh, a effort. It's going to take effort yes. to break this mold. It's going to take some rec- – and it's going to be a little bit out of our comfort zone to say, oh, this person's not like me and yeah. how am- – because you have to think – you have to have that empathy – that empathy yes. for them, that their response is going to yeah. be different, but they're still human. They're yeah. still, they still have a brain. They still have these experiences. But I, I love that um, the goal of not not only being around people that support your beliefs, but that, yeah. that cause your, um, that challenge your beliefs. Right. Isn't right. that, I mean, it's, it's a little bit fun to me. I know. I, you I enjoy like it more than others. Like, <laughs> it's like a breath of fresh air, but um, yeah. 
Yeah, but I think we have to think about practical steps because we can say this is so valuable and this is what you should do and you should be intellectually humble, but how do we actually become someone who is intellectually humble? And I think that our guidance comes from this um, article that we read in this high-impact journal uh, called Nature. And they have this model of intellectual humility, and it kind of revolved around three things. And I think that these are three practical things that we can do to be better at this. So the first one was just simply recognizing the limits of our knowledge, Mm -hmm. that we are fallible, that we make mistakes, that we're not perfect. Just just recognizing that because it's not easy and we don't like to admit it. So if you're sitting there right now and you think (laughs) you know all the things. Yes. You don't know all the things. You don't. And, 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 you know, that's sometimes hard, especially like if you're an expert or you spent a lot of years studying. Um, But even when we were preparing, I was thinking about Stacey. I mean, she knows a lot of things. I know a lot of things about medicine, but there's no way to know all the things. And so to always know that there's something new out there, there's something different. Um, Early on in my career, like somebody would like bring up a medicine or a treatment plan and I would just like be sweating. I'm like, I don't know it. I don't know it. Um, and now I can embrace it more. I'm like, yeah, well, there's only about a hundred thousand things new coming out a day. Right, <laughs> so right. no, I don't know of that right. weird little pill that did this one time in yeah. Japan. That's not here in America yet. Yeah. Um, because people are, are constantly coming, but it's just, we, it, it, it should be a breath of fresh air. Like to me, yeah. it's like, I'm not supposed to know everything. Yeah. You can't know everything. We mm-hmm. don't know everything. You don't, you can't. And that's okay. Even if you think you're an expert, you still don't know everything. And I think like from reading, um, a lot of the most successful people that they mentioned in Mm -hmm. some of the TED Talks were like Warren Buffett and things like this. And the cool thing about them was that they, that's how they lead. They're always constantly learning. They're constantly listening to other people's podcasts and stuff. And I think if we're going to be successful, we got to know we don't know it all and look to people and how do we learn from others. Yeah. And I think that's a second step is truly valuing other people's beliefs because we could say that like oh yeah of course I value what you say but how often do we really care and really want to hear about and value the perspectives of people that are not like us and think a different way and are sometimes off-putting to us we've all I'm totally guilty of this just shut down the people who believe in something extreme totally on the other side of an issue right like yeah. On a friend, I can't hear it. I don't want to hear it. Um, yeah. It's I, easy to do, but... To I often want to shut down people who don't value La Fiesta after <laughs> church on Sunday for lunch. Yeah, you meet Pueblo crowd. I'm like... We're coming for you. <laughs> can't, I can't identify. I can't yeah. identify with them. But that's that's yeah. a easy way, but we, we really yeah. do. And, mm-hmm. and um, part of, uh, of fair when she was talking, I thought it was interesting. So she picked the, the guy that was totally opposite of her, yeah. that believed totally different, that there had been some just kind of bad blood between yeah. them. Um, but at the end, when she closed with the Ted talk, she actually said through these lunches, through this journalistic, like, I want to know why mm-hmm. you are like this, they connected and he actually yeah. helped her write the Ted talk. Yeah. It's amazing. So what I loved from that is by them valuing each other, then they they were able to gain value together mm-hmm. and and it was beautiful and yeah. i think that like we miss out so many times yeah. on people 
that can really add a lot of value to our life Mm -hmm. because we think we we put them in a group or we say that they're a certain way or that we exclude them because they're like, oh, our values would not line up when maybe they're the person that could be the catalyst to some of the greatness and some of the great discussions. So Yeah, that's good. And I think, you know, you're alluding to the last step, which is actually, you know, showing people through behavior that we value their opinions. Um, And I know one that we were talking about this morning, you were telling me just a, you know, a really great story from work, but um, is validating other people's Mm. opinions, their opinions, their experiences, their emotions, um, doing that in the way that we interact with them in conversation, but also, you know, explicitly in what we say Mm -hmm. to them when they share their experiences with us. Yeah. I I like, you know, I have two statements that sometimes I'll use as like, I, I, I see how you could feel that way Mm -hmm. because maybe you can't, maybe that is totally not what, um, but when you say, I see, I understand, I I can see where you come from, that really that really like strikes a chord with them and and don't you're not doing this to manipulate or to but you're saying like I'm sorry you feel that way I'm sorry that you came from this position and and I know that can make you feel that way but but you're saying it's okay for you to feel that way but then sometimes you have to turn and say but this is how I feel too Mm -hmm. and then when you Mm -hmm. both say oh but I could see how your experiences would make you feel that way right um we've alluded to this twice. So I'm going to just go ahead and tell you the story, but that the, um, Farrah story where there was a white middle-aged man Mm -hmm. and she was a a woman of color Mm -hmm. and they were both in the same group. And Mm -hmm. he actually came to her and said, I feel like a minority. And Mm -hmm. so her initial response is shock and awe. Like, how can you say that to me? Are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but when she sat back and talked to him, she realized that they did happen to be in more of an environment that was supporting the agenda like the that that agenda her values and, and her values and, and beliefs. political beliefs yeah and so therefore because she has been a minority her whole life yeah. and it had really identified with that she could see yeah. that in that situation he yeah. could be even though she didn't agree with it right and it, right. she didn't agree with it but she said uh I could see where you are the only person who holds these values yeah agenda, sitting in that room beliefs yeah. in this room and you could yep. feel that way and there's such, yeah, I there's, mean, there's power such power. There's mm-hmm. power in validating people's feelings. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I love this and I've gained so much and I hope that yeah. we can continue. Call me out on my absent intellectual humility. Yes, <laughs> me too. I mean, this is just something I really want to strive towards is just always becoming more intellectually humble, just recognizing what I don't know and valuing what other people do know and their experiences and thoughts. And I think... That's how you get to world peace. Yeah? Yeah. I wish that, like, I mean, we should be teaching this class in the Pentagon or some type of seat because they need it. Just, oh, let's see where you come from. So call us. We'll come. Yes. (laughs) And we'll get out of (laughs) this dungeon that smells like must. (laughs) (laughs) May not look like it, but it's pretty smelly down here. (laughs) I love the smell. It's very reminiscent. But... We do all of this. We have these talks. We hope that you were able to um, eat some good food today that fed your mind. We hope that your mind is steaming and ready to move and (laughs) doing all the fun things. And we do all of this. Stacey, because because we we love love you. you.